Before introducing today's guest, I wanted to share some context on the emergence of a subculture that interests me. There's a subculture of survivalists, preppers, other individuals concerned with the collapse of scenarios in the Western sphere. They could be environmentalists like Extinction Rebellion or Doomsday Predictors, but there's a whole slew of individuals online sharing and living in different ways about their worry about the collapse of Western society. Many of these individuals have been influenced by James Kunstler, his book The Long Emergency, or Dmitry Orloff's The Five Stages of Collapse. Orloff argues that the United States is on a similar trajectory of post-collapse, similar to what happened to the Soviet Union. Whether or not you agree or disagree, there's interesting lessons from both of these writers. Some individuals are responding by exiting society before they imagine an eventual collapse, while others are exploring alternative ways of living. Douglas Russoff recently wrote a book called The Survival of the Richest, exploring the escape fantasies of the ultra-rich. There's a common known meme of billionaires like Peter Thiel setting up survival bunkers in the mountains of New Zealand. I wanted to explore and talk to someone at the other end of the spectrum, a minimalist trying to live on the bare minimum in a nomadic but not unrealistic way. Today, we'll be speaking with Aaron Fletcher, a nomadic eco-small farmhand who's traveling around the Pacific Northwest. He's prototyping and sharing his experiments and living nomadically with minimal resources. He's built sort of a wagon and shares his experiments online living with a small herd of animals. He trades his labor among farms and connects to local food sources. We can learn a lot from his experiments. He minimizing footprint, connecting to local, building food resources, and building tribes and connections. I wanted to thank Aaron for joining us today and for sharing his unique lifestyle and model of living. While you might not choose to live in his footprints, Hopefully you take something away from this conversation. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for your time. And um, I appreciate your, I mean, you're, you live somewhat of a nomadic lifestyle, so I appreciate your time. Um, Aaron, where are you right now in the world? Can we? I'm in Southern Oregon. Are you in a city on the coast or where exactly? I'm in a, uh, in a city outside of Ashland, Oregon. Oh, wonderful. And Aaron, how are you living these days? Um, all right. We just had some lambs uh, that dropped uh, two days ago, so we got milk flowing again, finally. Oh, wonderful. Uh, so Aaron, how do you usually describe yourself to people who aren't familiar with kind of your lifestyle and your environmentalism? Um, a, uh, a mobile farmhand, nomadic farmhand. Um, a, a subsistence dairy shepherd. Um, these are some of the ways that uh, you can, I can't really, uh, none of them are adequate enough to really explain everything that, uh, that goes on uh, with how I live, but uh, that's the closest ones, I guess. So, and Aaron, how did you get into this kind of uh, nomadic subsistence lifestyle? Um, because just, uh, viewing what's written on on the economic uh, shit hitting the fan wall, and the need to. So, 
<laughs> do you consider yourself more of a prepper or were you worried yeah, about I'm, a, I'm an intelligent prepper i'm not an idiot uh prepper who's just backstocking stuff and then going about you know living off trying to live off the system and not like taking this transition time to wean themselves from dependence on the system and how long have you been kind of living this lifestyle i also call that a selfish prepper i call that uh i call that uh less intelligent prepping like the, the the stereotypical bunker and hoarding food uh and then going about society and not doing anything to like help yourself or your community um become uh more uh local food secure or community sufficient uh in preparation for shitting and fan you're just like waiting for shit to hit fan and then you're you're just waiting to um see how long your reserves will last and then your plan is to just pillage everyone around you which is like the the most unintelligent and the most selfish uh, way of prepping is the way that I I describe it. And what I'm doing is trying to do the exact opposite. And how are you doing, Aaron, on that? Wagon wind started changing direction. There we go. What'd you so, think? Aaron, no, I was going to just ask you how how would you grade your current um intelligent prepping going oh, oh well I, my my intelligent prepping has much more involved than regular people's selfless prepping because i am having to spearhead the whole fucking movement of like people being nomadic by uh by wagon with with producer pets so that they can they can calorically stand in for uh for the times that they that they uh they don't have uh farms and in efforts to connect with those farms you're going to need your own supply of food you're going to need your own uh wagon in order to haul enough water to go out outside of the city for a couple days at a time at least in order to do roundabouts and and meet and greets and try to get farms to work on and so uh like what i'm doing is not just worrying about myself it's like i I'm having to simultaneously feel around in the dark for the solutions that work for me while constantly taking into consideration whether that will be a good option for everyone else if it's a scalable option if it's a, if it's a uh, if it's able to be reproduced by the majority of other people I'm constantly having to check everything like that in on how it, what I'm doing will benefit everyone else's following of the movement whereas everyone else can just worry about their own individual like uh example uh without having to um uh without having to worry about directing it or anything like that like i got people that are that are already starting to follow this and and but they're like they're doing exactly what i didn't want to happen which is like not connect with farms and basically just exploit animals as a petting zoo so Aaron, Which maybe is, we can go back in time a little bit. When did you first kind of exit the system? I would say. When, when, when did you... first, first, first of all, no one is home free. I don't know if you've seen that definition, uh, uh, but the definition of home free is getting past the problems of our unsustainability. That's the ultimate definition of home free. The, the classical definition of home free is to get past a problem. Well, the biggest problem that humanity is facing is it's 
unsustainability problem. Not only do the leftists uh, agree that that uh, that that's happening because of global warming, but then the the right uh, thinks that that they need local food security to, you know, weather the storm of, uh, of the uh, economy collapsing and the and the government uh, uh, waiting out and to offer us a digital currency social uh, credit score system um, new new option. So both both uh, both sides, everyone agrees that the uh, humanity's biggest problem is unsustainability. Just the way that we're defining that and the solutions that we go about that uh, are different. And I myself am advocating a third way of going about it. Like the 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 the, the leftists are uh, claiming that the solution to humanity's unsustainability is to um, is to tax everyone into into being eco. You know, which is really is just going to be a tax on the poor because the 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 rich have always been able to circumvent taxes. So really, all it's going to do is uh, is destroy the middle class and create um, feudalism and uh, and fascism and and uh, bigger government, whatever, however we want to define that. Um, uh, communism, fascism, they're all the same thing. They're bigger government, stronger government, and less rights for the people. So um, uh, that's what they're advocating for. And then the right is advocating for us to um, do like a back to back to the land uh, agriculture thing, and um, and I I think that we should do some kind of a a hybrid. Like I don't believe in I don't believe that com uh, the left's notion of a solution of communism being uh, being exactly the right thing to do. What we need to do is create uh, instead of uh, centralized communes or the most centralized version of a commune is communism. Um, what we need to create is uh, I call it decentralized communes, and essentially it's the same thing as tribe tribes. It's the same thing as the Native Americans had. Uh, they knew that when their tribes started to get too large, that they started to um, they started to uh, have lesser quality um, representation with their tribe decision makers because you can't have someone you can't have someone represent you who you've never met met before because your population of your area is too big for your constituents to have ever even met the representatives. So there's there's something scientifically already established called Dunbar's number. It's already established by the Western governments, and it was already established by Native Americans and indigenous cultures uh, for thousands of years before we scientifically discovered it and called it Dunbar's number. Dunbar's number is the maximum amount of hu of uh, humans that you can intimately trust and know. Um, and uh, if you try to have populations that are any larger than Dunbar's number, which is roughly anywhere from 150 to 500, then you start to um, run the risk of having your representatives conspire against uh, the the group to create, uh, to destroy egalitarianism, basically, and to create classism. Aaron, I have a question. So where did you first get interested in kind of living towards a home-free kind of lifestyle? Towards realizing these things. This is where we need to go. These are the problems. These are the problems uh, that uh, that we obviously have before us, and um, we're being uh, told to uh, uh, to cheerlead for communism or cheerlead for uh, fascism. Are, are the are the two like options that they give us? Far left or far right? It's both of them are fucking bullshit. Controlled oppositions uh, options being given to us from the, the from the top, and so when you Take everything off the table on what they're suggesting and you just you just consider what is needed 
local food security is what's needed and uh, a a uh, a homogenizing of the population so that you can facilitate local food production see like, like uh, we have currently we have uh, a minority of people trying to produce the majority of food and uh, out, outside in the rural areas and those uh, farmers are having uh, their livelihoods um, worked against from multiple angles by the corporations and the elite in order to monopolize their farms or get them to get them to, to sell their farms so that they can um, put them into their monopoly. I don't know if you know that Bill Gates has, uh, has been the largest farmland owner in America for like six months now. Yeah, Almost I've read yeah, some of the, um, you know, questionable actions he's taken. I'm, I'm yeah. just curious where you think... Well, just take that. Just take that one factoid that Bill Gates is the largest farmland owner in America, along with his. Uh, uh, also, uh, the second runner-up is BlackRock, which is his, his corporate buddies. So him and his buddies own the majority of farmland, like collectively, in um, in the United States. While simultaneously, he has been on the books, has been uh, openly one of the biggest supporters of genetically modified foods, and He's also been one of the biggest uh, funders of lab-grown meat, and he's talking about wanting to block out the sun in order for our supposed good, when uh, really, when you tie all four of those things together, it's obvious that he's trying to control our food system. So what do we need to do about that? We need to focus on our local food security. How can we best do that? Oh, well, we have a, a growing population of people who are disgruntled with shitty jobs that are purposeless in the city. And they're on the verge of realizing that what they need to do is is to go out out of the Babylon. And can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you perfectly. Yep. What they, and what they need to be doing is going out of Babylon uh, to either farm themselves or if they can't afford farming, to farmhand. That's the logical fucking solution to any number of before you nowadays. With just take Bill Gates own, owning. Uh, uh, trying to monopolize the farmland while trying to monopolize our food system. Just taking single bits of what's going on in the news, you can extrapolate that the most intelligent thing to do is to either farm or farmhand. And then from there, if you, if you dwell upon that or prey upon that for uh, further solutions, uh, the, the next logical thing to, to address or to try to, uh, try, to try to help in this, this situation is how to connect the farmers with the farm hands because no farmer is going to be able to i mean they're they're right now they're being put out of business because of the red tape that the elite are putting on uh on their farmland uses and on uh on their product uh selling ability and uh, a whole host of other red tape bullshit uh which affordable labor is the biggest would be the con biggest contributor to uh, the alleviation of uh, small farmers' difficulty, financial difficulties nowadays, uh, affordable affordable labor. And the, so the, the most common sense way to bring them affordable labor is with the exact opposite half of, of, the, uh, of the problem, is the disgruntled, uh, the growing population of disgruntled people inside uh, the shitties that are, uh, are increasingly going to be on the precipice of collectively all at the same time realizing that they're stupid but hoodwinked and they need to be uh hoodwinked by domestication and they need to be uh working towards uh rewilding out on their farms uh through farming or farm handing so so uh uh connecting them 
is going to be is going to be uh, it's going to be necessary for individuals at that time because most people aren't going to realize that they need to do that until after gasoline isn't available and they're not able to like take their leisurely weekend uh, jaunts out you know to drive around and try to knock on doors or there won't be internet uh, available for them to make Craigslist or Facebook ads to connect with those farms. And so the only way that people are going to be able to do that and the only, and the only way they're going to be trying to do that is by physically walking out of Babylon with rucksacks and wagons, garden carts, whatever the hell they can to, to hold the supplies they need to get somewhere that they don't feel threatened by the rob raping and pillaging. You know, and so, uh, so Aaron, it, you're, you're not, not to interrupt you, but how, how long have you been living kind of towards this kind of self-sustainable kind of farmhand nomadic lifestyle? Maybe five, um, seven years, I think on your blog. I've had goats. Uh, I got goats and um, dairy goats and started doing um, pack, packing with them, like pack boxes and backpacks like eight years ago, nine years ago now. And what are... What are your main kind of takeaways that you've learned in terms of why did you not choose to become a permanent base at one location or what's the advantages of moving around and connecting and you um, know, because travel? if I if I go the route of getting my own land, um, then I couldn't spearhead uh, the the example that's needed for the farmhands to get out to me. I, I can't start a farm without a future supply of affordable farmhands that are willing to work trade for camping and for for produce and so but that, that i'm not going to have them if uh if there isn't a hashed out simplified foolproof way of uh putting together the the, the right size you can't have this a wagon any larger than this because you won't be able to pull it you can't have any smaller than this because you won't be able to hold enough shit you know, like, like there's certain parameters that need to be hashed out for people so that they can have some guiding parameters on how to do this <laughs> so that they can be uh, so they can not starve themselves. And so they can be the saving grace of the small farmers that need their their uh, free help. No, I think it's great that you're sharing so much kind of your inventions and your trials and tribulations on the Internet. Um, have people started traveling with you ever or do people kind of journey with you or how have the farms responded to your offer of labor for trade? Um, the people I'm, um, iffy on who I can take in because of, uh, farms, the, the more people that I have with me, the less, uh, inviting, um, people and properties are going to be because they don't, uh, especially if it's like multiple guys, you know, uh, if it was like, uh, uh, if it was like a group of more females, then obviously they're going to get, or they're going to be, uh, have their, their, uh, property open, uh, properties opened up to them way more. So, um, I personally um, think that people should um, not, uh, I'm trying to make this so simple that people don't need to apprentice or don't need to do anything like that because uh, um, uh, people don't need to. So how, <laughs> no, how have all the, they need to do, all they need to do is go find a, a damn farm to work on and then find two of them. And as soon as you get two of them, they're within walking distance and you start working on building a wagon. And once you get a wagon, then you have something to tether your own dairy animals to. There's a logical order to this. And what are the benefits of the dairy animals for people who might not know? You don't starve. Because of the milk and the production and the meat 
obviously because yeah. it's a sustainable source of food like all the other uh, all the other sources of food are extremely erratic and and uh, seasonal in your ability to harvest them i mean gardening you know you can harvest once every couple months you know to once a season and chickens they don't lay in the, the winter time uh they don't lay period if you don't supplement them extra grain and and aren't worth having if you don't if you're not supplementing them with a uh with an artificial economy's supply of uh of grain and um and meat obviously you know like why would you kill a dairy sheep when it produces just as much calories and milk within one month than its entire carcass probably within one week actually now that I think about it so it's just it's incredibly it's it's been established for the longest time now that that dairy is the most efficient way to derive calories sustainably and continuously for for hungry people third world country people the the uh the oldest um the oldest um nonprofit in the United States is uh, an organization called Heifer Organization and Heifer Organization has been around for like 50 plus years literally they're the oldest uh nonprofit organization in America that you never heard of because uh, what they're doing is more legit than any other nonprofit. So all the other nonprofits don't even want to like help spread the word about them. And uh, the government doesn't want uh, the word spread about them because they, they're they holding a piece of the puzzle of how to actually feed the world while the government claims to be wanting to feed the world while actually wanting its people to be more dependent on their artificial economy. And uh, so, yeah, Pepper Organization uh, basically found a long time ago that uh, scientifically that uh, dairy animals were the most efficient, quickest and most efficient, most sustainable, most continuous way to provide calories for third world uh, uh, starving villagers. And so they, um, uh, they're American based, but they, uh, they buy uh, dairy animals for uh, third world villagers and uh, they give them to them for free and they give them training. And the only agreement is that once uh, their, their little starter herd um, gets big enough to where they're able to uh, Create a a, um, a, a surplus. They're, 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 yeah, they're well. They're able to uh, as soon as they're able to gift a breeding um, herd uh, to their to a neighboring village, then that's their payment is to basically pay it forward. And so, uh, yeah, heifer organization um, proved a long time ago that uh, dairy pets are the most efficient way uh, to produce calories for people, food for, for people, and um, and they based on the. Uh, on the pay it forward uh, model so that it's uh it's such a good example uh, uh, it's such a strong example of how you can actually help people that none of the other non-profits supposed non-profits even want to like address them <laughs> so aaron how do the farm hands uh, or the farms how do you open the relationship with them you go to the farm and then you say hey i'm willing to trade you know a little uh, campground trade, for yeah. Craigslist and farm uh, and Craigslist and uh, and Facebook uh, ads uh, are the best way currently. Uh, actually, the best way is uh, my uh, my Facebook stickers. Um, the have you seen the, those the shirts and the stickers? No, I haven't. Tell us about those. Have you checked out the website? I did. I checked out. I loved your um, little credit card survival kit. I want to ask well, the about thing. Right, the right thing right before that was the Facebook. Uh, I must have missed it. I think it was, was that a t-shirt that had your information on it? I think. Yeah. But, uh, my wagon has a huge sticker on the side of it. that says also says face look. And then it has the 
organized information about me and in which case communicates uh, my um, uh, my farm handing offer and my services that I offer in exchange right. for produce and camping. So, you know, in camping, there's the front country and back country. You're kind of on this third space, maybe in between the front and the back, you know. Um, what do you mean by how, front and back? I heard that. So the, the front country is when you live in the city, you're kind of really engaged in your job. And the back country is when you really maybe go on a month long camping trip or month long kind of excursion really outside of. Yeah. You know, rule, rule is where it's at. Um, yeah. I tell, uh, uh, to bring it back uh, full circle to the, um, the word that I used earlier that we need to homogenize humanity um, is that, you touched on it is that um there's the the really very 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 unpopulated um uh desolate areas and then there's uh the opposite in this spectrum um it would be the new york or la or you know some of these shitties and i call them instead of cities i call them shitties and um and so um what coincidentally both of those areas the least populated um, areas and the most populated areas are both the most dangerous places on the face of the planet because obviously in the least populated areas, um, people are inclined to think that they can, uh, uh, more think that they can get away with, with crime and with murder and stuff. And, um, and then the, uh, paradoxically, the, the uh, most densely populated areas actually have a problem of people all assuming who are witnessing a crime go on that someone else will do something about it or someone else will call 911. And so they just let the rape go on in the alley below. You've heard about these studies, right? Yeah, I understand your concept that with so many people, people ignore what's happening in, in an underpopulated place. You think no one's watching so you can get away with things. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and then the opposite goes uh, in, in uh, overly populated. You think that you can get away with things because you can you can you can hide in a sea of, of people after you commit the crime, you know, type thing. And uh, there, there's various reasons also why, why overly populated places are also the most dangerous. So what logically we should be doing is redistributing ourselves, especially those of us who are living in the shitties while claiming to be against global warming and all this bullshit. Uh, you're protesting car use and stuff like that while living in the city is just the stupidest thing in the world. Uh, when logically all they have to do is redistribute themselves in a more uh, equal fashion. They like the word equal. Well, stop cluster fucking in the cities. You know, <laughs> like it's just retardedness. Like, like, come on, people. Like the obvious thing that we need to be doing is redistributing ourselves in a more even, uh, healthy fashion. In which case, I define that for for me personally and within my network of uh, of farms. In the future, my decentralized communes that I touched on calling this earlier, all this is all this is related to the same same picture that I'm trying to paint. Uh, it's just describing uh, different angles of it. But um, uh, yeah, there's uh, the farm. Do you think? Going... Do you think this lifestyle can work for people? I mean, you're a young, able, physically strong individual. Do you think this can work for your grandma or people? How, how do you think they? There's, there's nothing on the face of the planet that is a solution to everything. That's a good point. Yes, correct. So who are you this then? Is taking, this is taking care. This is solving 
more problems than any other pr pr uh, proposition or any other like like the redistribution of disgruntled workers in the shitties and homeless people in the shitties who are seeking out purpose in their lives who don't realize yet quite yet that the most purposeful thing that they can do and especially if they're you know activist minded people the most purposeful thing that they can be doing is moving out of the shitties because the very nature of the shitties is unsustainable it's nature is unsustainable it, the definition of, of a of of a civilization uh, of a city is a area with such a growing population that they have to continually seek resources from further and further away it's literally the same definition as a cancer and so anyone everyone who is has ever uttered in the last years anything about equality or justice or injustice or anything like that is going to have to realize that they're going to have to shut their fucking mouth and do something actually different in this world besides just the prescribed top-down demolition of of the current government so that so that uh, they can bring the whole civilization to their knees so that we'll more willingly accept their social credit score system. You know about the social credit score system, right? I do. I, I I'm familiar with it, and okay. we can talk well, a lot about of people that. don't know about that. Yet, so that's important for us to touch on. China has been for the uh, last couple of years, they've been rolling out, uh, started off in their like largest cities. They started this um, this program of uh, called the social credit score system, which is basically just an advancement of our regular credit score system that doesn't just bring into account uh, people's um, how responsible people are with their with their payments, their financial uh, payments, um, like credit wise, but it also takes into account supposedly how responsible they are in every other aspect of their life, all the way down to, um, all the way down to the people that you're talking talking to and friends with on social networking. If they are if they are rated lower than you, then that actually brings your rating down, and like it, it's insane. Like like it, it's it's tied into your social networking. So if you make a post and it gets uh, more downvotes than it does uh, upvotes, then that subtracts from your overall uh, social credit score and all of these uh, all these things even your your buying transactions um, uh, equate into uh, uh, your your social credit score system and then that social credit score system is used to uh, not just like our simple credit score system that's used to dictate whether you're uh, allowed these certain um, borrowing um, borrowing abilities but uh, the social credit score system actually dictates uh, your all of your social ability, whether you can buy a uh, a freaking plane ticket or even a bus ticket or a train ticket, whether you're allowed to uh, put your kids in, in a private school, um, whether yeah, it's it's like it's a uh, it's black mirror to the max. Um, or uh, Aaron, uh, Tommy, I, max. I, I I understand the fears of it. I, I've done a lot of research into the. You know Chinese credit score and replace, replace your word fear with the word concern because you should be concerned and they obviously have uh, the elite have tried to vilify us into not being concerned by repackaging our concern as fear and oh you're just afraid of progress no I, I understand your concern I'm just wondering if the reality of someone living in rural China actually matches more your ideal because if you're in rural china and you live in a small community no because they know because what they what they produce they don't get to keep it's communism it's totalitarianism they literally are like slaves to their system 
except they don't it's not like a, a free market system that uh, that has more um, built-in mechanisms to make sure that, that uh, people uh, can regulate th their own uh, their own values. It, uh, the values are completely dictated by the government and controlled by the government. That's Aaron. not that's not that's not what I'm going for. The rule the rule living that I'm going for is for uh, more like uh, freedom and decentralized small tribes. Yeah, 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 Native American tribes. Yeah. I'm curious, then, where do you think this, where, at what point do you think young people in the U.S. or in the Western countries became disenfranchised? I'm curious when you think this shift happened towards a kind of, I would call it a doomer viewpoint. I mean, in the 90s, I'm curious no, when... No, it started before that. I think it started back when, uh, when they first started, um, when they first started uh, disseminating... Um, uh, radio, and, or I mean, a newspaper. It started with newspaper, and then uh, and then radio um, propaganda that uh, that um, bumpkinized. I call it bumpkinizing. Uh, they they shamed rural living. They, they they start chipping away at the insecurities of the rural uh, rural living, um, sustainable living uh, individuals uh, as as they live backward. They're stupid. They don't know what they're doing. They're not as progressive as us. Uh, in the city, and so it actually started uh, the demoralization process, which the demoralization process or the uh, the weakening weakening of citizens' self-esteem is the central problem for the central mechanism by with which we've been able to be manipulated this far. That was the like the foot in the door. All the other problems, like every problem in society, is due to insecurities because people don't do any of the crimes. If they are secure, upright, standing citizens, people don't rob. If they, uh, if they're more confident, they can acquire those things by more honest means. They don't, they don't rape or pillage. If they, you know, think they can get those things by more honest means, it's literally nothing bad happens if people are naturally secure with themselves. And I believe that people, uh, uh, people's insecurities only come from uh, are, that they're not. Nat it's not natural for people to be insecure. I think that it comes from the artificial economy being manipulated uh, via Hollywood and propaganda in general. Um, so, Aaron, which it, models, uh, who are you kind of, who lives the ideal kind of lifestyle? Is it like a Mongolian nomadic yurt kind of lifestyle? Who who would, I mean, they have small kind of temporary farming situations plus the animal husbandry is that kind of the ideal for you and no all those all those yurts uh, are uh uh yurts are dependent on um incredibly uh flat uh plateau terrains uh they, they were able to haul um their their yurts um from one end of the valley to uh, the steppe valley to the other and um but uh yurts are like one of the heaviest historical um nomad dwellings and uh and there's like plenty it's just so weird I, I like people like assume that just because like uh humans in different cultures uh had these different shelters that like that's the the height of the possibilities and stuff <laughs> it's like uh we can continue to we can continue to feel out more and more varied primitive so-called options uh, of of housing or hybrids are primitive, you know, uh, because like this in the future, this wagon will probably be steel frame, but it'll have, you know, a thatched roof and with felt on top of or something, you know, 
Um, well, I think one of the things interesting, Aaron, is that you're offering a view for diversification. So there's an option for everyone to choose their own adventure, right? Someone. Yeah, but 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 within but within like uh, within certain parameters, there's going to be a general uh, like like comparing it to the the mongolians on those flat steps and they have their big heavy yurts but they have their bigger animals they can haul that uh we um we there's there's other completely other environment here and a situation that 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 starts to um um reduce the pool of animals and the pool of possibilities of living uh, down to, to more specific uh, examples within our American terrain. So I, I tend to divide it up into um, into uh, goat country and um, and desert country and valley country. So you got like mountain areas that if you're wanting to do something, uh, then uh, you should probably go with goats and it should probably be um, more packing related uh like not wagon because there's more up and down yep yeah and then uh and then uh, in the desert uh it's you're gonna want to have uh donkeys and a wagon and uh in the valleys you're gonna want to have uh dairy sheep and and a wagon um because cows even many cows take like 10 times more water than than a, a dairy sheep dairy goat or a donkey and uh horses take like double per pound they take like double the amount of water than than those animals too so um the uh <clears throat> the first the first stipulation on uh on what animal you use is what area you're in and then it's and then and then of what area you're in there's only so many animals that are available in America that it reduces you down to the donkey the goat and the dairy goat and the dairy sheep Aaron I'm curious what is your daily kind of life like do you have a routine or what's your usual day-to-day no i well i I just try to take my sheep off property uh currently because they are they don't have enough uh to eat on the property that we're at and um so we're in town right now at a uh, big old vacant lot that i'm going to prune the trees of i just got permission to prune the fruit tree three fruit trees so a subscriber got me a uh, pruning saw and a saw that also will cut my uh, my firewood. So I'm going to come back next week and prune these trees. I was taking a look at them. Aaron, what's your relationship with? I think you have a Patreon and you have kind of people who support and subscribe. What 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 gave you that idea to do that, or are you just trying to de- give information out? What's your relationship with those subscribers? Um, I'm just uh, um, I I, sh- I don't. I share like uh, posts on there that are more, uh, I don't know, like more intimate um, than like Facebook. And then I, I rarely, even more rarely um, post on, uh, on, on YouTube. I just post videos on YouTube usually. And I'm just curious, have they, are you getting a lot of direction and tips from them in terms of how to live or how, where to go or how to? No, they're actually really, I'm actually really surprised. I thought that like, I thought that the Patreon was going to like take up a lot of my time with people like wanting to like, you know, be friends and stuff. And like, I, I, I don't have time for like, like bullshitting uh, like and, and normal people talk. 
Like uh, any conversation that someone tries to shoot the shit with me, I'm going to turn it into a, a talk about local food security. And, uh, and, and if I'm not talking about that with someone that I'm working on it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so it's really difficult for me to, um, to be in a situation where I'm taking money from someone who expects for me to have to shoot the shit with them, you know, <laughs> no, I get that. Like, it's so hard for me to do. Cause I, I feel like my time every second is so much more valuable than, than, than money because the only thing I'm using money for is to prototype these things. And, uh, but the plan is, is to, uh, get this, I'm going to, uh, right now my plan is to get this donkey, uh, get a donkey to help pull what I'm ca- considering the, the very upper, limit on size and weight of a shitting the fan survival wagon so basically um basically this size wagon if you fully loaded it that loaded it up had it fully loaded it would be on the cusp of it being light enough for you to pull yourself in a survival situation right um and so but but until a survival situation happens, uh, I don't want to pull this thing around, you know, because that's a pain in the ass. And uh, and so, uh, but it's it, but fully loaded is too big for a ram um, to go up any hills or anything like that. And so a donkey uh, will a donkey will allow for me to to haul this fully equipped, which I'm almost done fully equipping it. I need to uh, build this drop down um, bathroom basically on the back end of this it'll be like a bathroom slash showering area and um and that will like really round out the whole example and uh and as i said this will be like the the heaviest example and then after i i document that example or have someone else document it then i'll be then i'll rehome the donkey go back to the the just the dairy ram and i'll be getting rid of like my electronics and basically i'll, I'll be i'm going to create the fanciest teeny home uh, example, wagons, uh, example that I can. And then once I do that, then I'll willingly backstep so that people know that this is actually what I want to do. It's, it's not because I can't do that sprinter van thing, or it's not because I can't do a horse and buggy, you know, normal wagon thing. It's because I don't want to, because the, the actual benefits of, of having it in this perfect sweet spot is actually, um, is more advantageous. Cause for instance, like when I get a donkey, a donkey takes, uh, like, five to 10 gallons of water a, a day, whereas my sheep only take one gallon a day. I, I, we literally only, uh, in the summertime, we only need to carry five gallons maximum for all of us per day, all of us combined. So I'm going to have to double carry, I'm going to have to double the amount of water that we're carrying just to have a donkey that can pull uh, a heavier wagon that has a, a full drop down uh, bathroom and I'm gonna have that all made out of aluminum, so that that won't add too much weight on it. But the point is that uh, is that then the uh, donkey will be uh, rehomed, and then I'll downsize it back down to the 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 simplest, lightest weight wagon that any goat, any normal sized goat or any normal sized ram will be able to pull. Because I feel like uh, donkeys are so expensive that if I'm having trouble uh, affording one right now, then that's not scalable. And certainly if shit hits the fan and people are wanting to uh, exit the shitties in the same method, they're not going to be able to afford a donkey then because no one's going to want to sell their donkeys because donkeys are going to be priceless. So, but, but dairy goats and, and, and dairy sheep, those will be, uh, those will be um, 
much more common and much more affordable uh, even after shit hits the fan. So that's what I'm doing. Aaron, what's your relationship with, um, I mean, do you interact with other unhoused kind of people or do you more, I'm just curious, who do you see on a daily life? Do you just mainly deal with farmers and other farmhands or do you have security concerns or things with your, your cart and your wagon and your life? And I'm just curious. I am security. That's what one of my jobs on the property that I'm at is, is, uh, being eyes on the property that's been ripped off multiple times. And I think that's one of the, uh, the biggest things that, one of the biggest things that, that, uh, that I have a hard time filling in at this point, um, and reminding people at the right point in, in my spiel is that, uh, is that one of the other things that a lot of people, it might be more attractive to people is what I say. Um, then farm handing is simple property sitting like there, there is an, there is an exponential need for people who have, uh, just bought property, secondary property outside of town. And they're, they're in transition. They like, they're trying to sell their, their, uh, in town property and move out onto their, their rural property so that they can start farming it. But in the meantime, this, the stuff that they have out on that property is getting ripped off or their rural property is getting squatted by tweakers or whatever. And so um, there is increasingly openings for people to not only uh, seek purpose by being simple farmhands, but also uh, even simpler, I'd say, is just being, uh, is just being uh, property sitters, basically. And who are these? I mean, there's a lot of drug abuse and drug problems in the U.S. And I mean, are these kind of just pirate people who are just thieves and robbers who are these people you're interacting with who are robbing these properties just like um, you said tw tweakers or who are just general criminals in general or is it getting worse or the same or i'm just curious what you're oh yeah, yeah. Drugs, drugs are just gonna drugs and, and crime are just gonna get worse obviously um especially as uh as um uh cities and counties start to liberalize um their crime policies and start to take it easier on criminals and you know let them out on cheaper bail and and just put them on probation and give them slaps on the wrist and stuff and and uh and, and as, as they start to legalize drugs like they did here in oregon and it's just exploded the drug problem like they legalized hard drugs here in oregon two years ago and it's done nothing but explode the drug problem obviously that's what it was going to do <laughs> It's insane. <laughs> no, no, I just, yeah, I see Portland and it's sad how it's just disintegrating. It seems like some of these cities. Um, yeah. yep. What are some of the more fulfilling kind of, are people asking or do, it seems inspiring some of the freedom you are offering in terms of being able to travel and live off the land. Are people responding to that or how are people uh, responding. I think that it's just so. I think that my example is still so much out of the box that uh, people are still kind of like, uh, kind of like whispering amongst themselves, like, "What's he doing?" You know, like, like, uh, "What's he doing over there?" Should we go over there? Should we check that out? You know, <laughs> should should we should we embark on something similar type thing? Uh, we'll just wait a little bit while longer and see how it goes for him. You know, type thing. No, it seems but like people. Meanwhile, though, the, the uh, their learning curve time period is getting is getting crunched down <laughs> there's this is not something you can just go out and like like i'm trying to simplify it but no matter how well i pre-simplify it for everyone and pre-package it 
with a nice bow, they're still going to be learning curve. <laughs> and what are some of the main lessons you want people to take away if they want to kind of, I mean, obviously one, the, connecting with the farms is number one i mean there's there's you're going to have to have farms to be based on not only for your safety but also for legality's sake i mean with the with the freaking lockdowns you know like 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 i it was it, it was surprising at first uh that they uh that they weren't um that they were like telling everyone else uh, to lock down and stay in their house, but then they were letting like homeless people just like go go around freely <laughs> and and camp freely. They they like totally they totally lifted all like all like camping in the city bans everywhere that I know of, and people just started being able to do whatever the fuck they wanted to. And at the same time, that was when they legalized drugs and. At the same time, nonprofits started handing out hundreds of needles at a time instead of just doing a simple needle exchange where you bring back the one that you got the day before, you know, so you don't end up with a bunch of free ones that you end up just fucking throwing out all over the grass at the playground. <laughs> Talking about COVID, what was your experience like during the COVID kind of hysteria or years? I'm just well, yeah, really, I'm, I'm surprised I'm surprised they didn't lock us down. I'm surprised they, they didn't lock down homeless people. And so that that gets to the future. In the future, if there's any type of economic collapse, eventually they're going to round up the homeless people into a FEMA camp. Or whether they call it a FEMA camp or not, they're gonna fucking round up homeless people and not allow for them to fucking camp in the bush and start fires anymore. <laughs> it's logical, you know, like 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 not only logical on on that level but when you add into it that they um like are you familiar with agenda 2012 or 2020 or 2030 any of the the un agendas i am i just um... for, for climate for climate uh mitigation and all that bullshit they're talking about they're they're talking about uh and their uh, 2030 plans uh their plans in the long run are to coerce humans into all moving into their smart cities and to uh to rewild the rule zones and to make them uh make them um un uninhabitable for humans make make it to where humans can't even like go in these areas that are like locked down rewilding zones so uh uh Aaron my only recommendation is I grew up in South America and I've experienced sometimes economic collapse and people can plan everything they want and the UN and the central government can plan all kinds of rules and all kinds of things. But when things start to break down, the reality might be very different than, so even if the UN says, you know, you can't leave your 15 minute city, I highly doubt that people will necessarily uh, follow those orders. Just like even the lockdowns, people were visiting their friends and, you know, people are just always looking it, for a way. It, it, hinges, it hinges on the, uh, it hinges on a majority rules and mob mentality uh, phenomenon that we know is linked to uh, strongly linked to their their uh, television propaganda and, and news. So, uh, so yeah, while while we are very fortunate that people didn't swallow hook, line, and sinker, uh, the uh, the the two weeks to 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 flatten the curve original agreement. And uh, and when that turned into two years of fucking lockdown in some places, um, 
uh, yeah, we're really lucky that we had enough pushback to end it. That's not to disregard the fact that they almost had us. Correct. And in the the future, if if we have another uh, actual economic collapse, that was like that was the biggest economic hiccup that we've had since we've this country is founded that I know of. But it's nothing compared to the actual full-on shitting the fan scenario where there's no food on the on the uh, grocery uh, store shelves, etc. You know, like people say, oh, shit is already the fan. I'm like, dude, there's still food on the shelf just because food is expensive does not mean that shit is at the fan when there is no food on the count on the shelves that's when technically shit is at the fan and people are panicking and willing to kill you for your fucking pop tart <laughs> talking about Sorry. food what's your daily i mean I, I saw some of your videos and you're you really seem interested in nutrition and foraging and kind of eating a variety of meats what's your daily kind of approach to nutrition uh, trying to get uh, more of my more and more of my diet on um, on things that can be replicated and, and are replicated already, ideally and already established food substances from my area. So does that mean just uh, trying to either buy or trade for everything locally, or growing everything, or butchering yourself? Yeah, that's, or... yeah, that's the eventual. That's the uh, the uh, eventual goal is to not have to worry or even be concerned or even look at what the ingredients are on my food because there is no ingredients on it because it's just produce from my local farmers <laughs> you know like now you have to look look for gmo labeling and you know like uh and even that is like super questionable already people are already like uh, questioning that company that's 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 uh, sanctioning what isn't what what isn't organic and what what isn't GMO. Anyway, uh, the point is that um, yeah, local uh, local foods are the most sustainable, and uh, of the foods that are the most sustainable, um, uh, dairy is um, is the most uh, sustainable. And um, and do you have a, a lot of resistance from what? kind of environmentalists or people who are kind of into the green movement or do they want you to become vegan or i just wonder how you respond to that oh no uh most green uh people who are in the environmental stuff they try their hardest to just ignore me because uh it if they even start to consider what i'm doing then it greenwashes their whole life what do you mean by greenwashing i've never heard that term you haven't green uh greenwash uh is uh I believe it comes from the base word hogwashing, like like bullshit. Oh, got um, it. And uh, and so it's like it's basically ecological hogwash. Got it. So people hogwash. Who, yeah, people who live in Portland and drink almond milk and think, you know, but they still drive the car and they're still yeah, participating. It, it, yeah. yeah, people people blocking traffic to protest uh, big oil, but then their whole lives and their diets are dependent on big oil it's retarded great so what what are some of your goals for this year uh those people are those people are going to start hating me next because they they won't be able to ignore me as soon as i get big enough to where they can't ignore me they're going to start working against me harder than anyone because they're going to hate me uh more than anything because uh because they won't be able i'll i frustrate i'll frustrate them more than their sworn enemies you know like big oil or that 
that right wing agriculturist or that right wing um, uh, uh, cow farmer, you know, or something like that. Like they're able to like vilify those people in their in their mind and and easily so. So it's like it's easy to just like let their steam off as it comes, let their steam off onto those people, whether it's talking about them or anything. But with anything that's new and more uh, more reflective uh, on your own life and your and um, then then it makes it uh it, it makes uh, pressures tend to build up more and uh and lashings out seem to be um bigger it's the same thing as uh uh gandhi said this uh the at first they uh laugh at you and then they ignore you and uh no first they ignore you then they laugh at you i think i've experienced it both ways so uh, so i don't know which way he's uh which way he originally said but uh, yeah, they'll either laugh at you or ignore you first, then do the other, and then they start to um, fight against you or work against you until they eventually join you. Um, or yeah, or or yeah, or, yeah, or they kill you. <laughs> well, I hope that doesn't come. Um, Aaron, last question I have is: you have a lot of kind of tinkering and in- inventiveness. Did you have what? attracted you kind of to being such a tinker or kind of inventor type person you're always like MacGyver, MacGyver. go ahead nice yeah. definitely I love that that show is my favorite show and then where can people Aaron find you what's the best way to get a hold of you for people who are interested in kind of your lifestyle and your philosophy uh 123homefree.com um has the YouTube channel up on it and and any other links that they want to connect with me but it's got the it's the base of the information and then my last question is aaron are there any other people you're really kind of inspired by or how they're living or people who might you know someone living on a boat or in rural some island somewhere what's really inspiring you um there's a couple of farms that i found that have inspired me lately um like that seen through uh uh that seen through youtube um and uh yeah uh but i i haven't um i haven't seen anyone doing anything like this that's inspiring like uh the closest thing to it is uh three mules uh dot com he's uh he's an old guy that's been uh traveling with his pack mules for a while but um uh he he doesn't work trade for farms he doesn't advocate for them he doesn't advocate for uh for hunting or foraging or anything like food sustainability at all but coincidentally his whole like spiel is uh is advocating for a nationwide um like pedestrian and equestrian trail and bicycle trail uh basically that like uh that that uh, runs along along the nation's highway um highways and uh which is like super like super along the same freedom line so to speak but it's just uh it's just uh awkward that he has never said and i've read every single one of his posts and video watched every video that he has ever made so he's never like shown or expressed any interest in the local food security while preaching against what he calls the megatropolis so it's like like i know that none of us like like the the whole point of of one, two, three, home free. My my YouTube channel and website is that it's a process to become um, community sufficient and um, 
and um, and not reliant on the artificial economy. And none of us are there, but when people don't have don't express an exit plan, but they're advocating so strongly for a part of the exit plan, you know, like it's just uh, I don't know. Um, uh, so the, he's the closest thing, but he, uh, I haven't found anyone that inspires me with the food. Uh, food production, um, except for uh, s- some small farms on YouTube, but I'm Great. looking for it. I'm inspired people. I've actually offered a couple. There's a couple people that are traveling with wagons or with their pack animals or whatever, um, but they're not putting any precedence on local food security. In which case, I've offered a couple of them to buy them goats, a dairy goat or a dairy sheep or something to uh, to add towards and and told offered, hey, I'll start uh, helping promote your channel if you just start work trading on farms, you know, and like adding that to your traveling so that you're, you know, more holistic example or whatever for uh, people, uh, people to, to see, I'll, I'll start sharing that and promoting because we need more examples of that. And, uh, and it seems to have done the exact opposite because none of those people even like respond to me. It's really awkward actually. <laughs> well, each to their so, own, I guess. Oh, Aaron, well, I, it, to, I really it, appreciate it gets your back, time. It gets back to insecurities. Again, all problems in society are due to individuals' insecurities. They likely just wanted to come up with their solutions on their own, and so that, you know because uh, it's uh, it, it doesn't feel as good when uh, when we don't come up with things ourselves, and so oftentimes we will um, cut our nose off to spider face, so speak, or shoot ourselves in the foot um, because of our those insecurities. So yeah, hopefully uh, people can start um, uh, pushing, putting more uh, emphasis on what I call um, eco nomadism instead of ego nomadism. Like uh, uh, we all have ego involved in our decisions, but the idea is to is to reduce it. And um, and this problem that I'm just touching on here, lastly, is that uh, is that people need to be traveling around locally to connect with their local farmers and help network uh network a a bartering system between the farms for when shit's a fan so that you all have uh, enough uh, a wide enough spectrum of food to stay happy and healthy uh instead of using this time to travel around long distances to like get in your traveling fix and or your ego boost you know from being able to say that you're a nomad it's just so so cringy how uh, how romanticized ego nomadism still is, and how un unknown eco no eco nomadism is that I'm trying to promote. So we'll see what happens. Thank you for helping get these ideas out. Hopefully, um, some people will listen.